Sorry, Simon, you just caught me in the middle of making a cup of coffee. Hang on a minute, I'm uh, just finishing brewing. And find a cup. There we go. I can't find my big cup. This one I'll have to do. That doesn't have to be like this. All we need to do is make sure we keep talking. <sighs> Lovely bit of coffee, that. Hello, Simon. Hello. How you been doing this week? Oh, I'm all right, actually. I've been okay. So, uh, that was a, a big mug of coffee you've had there. I like my coffee. I'm a big fan of the bean. Have you not just got up then, have you, at quarter past four in the afternoon? Not just got up. It was like oh, 20 minutes ago now. I like to start the day at the crack of midday, at least. <laughs> the crack of the afternoon. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello, listeners, and welcome to episode eight of Keep Talking. Or, as it's being dubbed online, please shut up. Mm, yes, yeah, stop talking. Yes. <laughs> Hope you've been enjoying these so far. Um, and if you haven't, then can I advise you not to listen to them? Yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not forcing these on people. We're just trying to add a little light entertainment or entertainment or light or... We're just trying to make a noise in the vacuum that is the current yeah. lifestyle. That's it, shouting into the abyss, as we are. <laughs> Instead of just shouting into the night, as I usually do. Yeah, screaming, that's cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the neighbours are getting used to me now. But anyway, listeners, hello, and uh, it's been another week, hasn't it? A whole one, yeah, yeah. A whole another week. Who would have thought it would be a whole week? What have you been up to this week? Have you been still at work? Yes, yes, I'm still working my little legs off. Of course, this week we had, uh, I had Thursday off because it was my birthday. Um, oh, happy birthday. How old are you this year? 80, was it? No, no, not 80. <laughs> and I'm still going to get you for that. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sprightly... Twiddly umpty five. Twiddly umpty six, actually, but there you go. Um, yeah, and uh, then, of course, Friday we had the bank holiday. Mm-hmm. So uh, I spent Thursday in the garden drinking because it was my yes. birthday. Yes. And on Friday, I spent that pretty much in the garden drinking um, because it was a bank holiday, you see. So it's, it's yes. all about celebrating the littlest things. And so this afternoon was a very nice day. And guess what I did today? You spent the afternoon in the garden drinking. You've been spying on me. <laughs> uh, yes, I have. I've got, uh... <laughs> I fitted a camera to, to the dog when I was last visiting and relays everything back to me. All right, okay. That's what you were fiddling with the dog. I was about to ring the RSPCA. <laughs> yeah, um, your missing shoe is under the chair, by the way. Um, other than that, I uh, well, what have I been doing? Um, well, yesterday afternoon, actually, because it was a nice day, I thought I'd spend the day inside. And mm-hmm. um, I actually got around to something I've been meaning to do for a while and watch the last three Star Wars films in a row. Um, oh, just to yes. see how they hold up as a one story. Mm-hmm. And? They don't. Your no, that's no. no surprise to anybody. It's when when you get basically two people each directing an alternate segment, each with an, mm. a, a separate idea. It doesn't yeah. really work very well. And uh, no. I found these films, although they were entertaining, I think mm. that there was a lot of mysticism that was lost. Yeah. So it was done as a series of science fiction films rather than 
mm. of the, the deep kind of films we're used to with Star Wars. I know that sounds yeah. strange. If you're not a big fan, you don't really get it. They're just <laughs> silly men with silly swords. But if you yeah. actually like Star Wars, then you, there is a deepness to you know the the meaning of what it is to be a Jedi. And I don't yeah. think J.J. Abrams actually got that. No, I mean. I this week have finished the Clone Wars, so I finished watching the uh, the last episode yesterday, actually. Okay. And those last four episodes Weren't were they good? so much better. And I I like the last three Star Wars films. I've got to say, I, I like them more than you did. Mm-hmm. But I thought those last four episodes of the Clone Wars were just so much better than than anything that was put on the, the big screen recently. I, I really agree with you on that. I thought mm-hmm. that they were very well done. There was a lot With more the emotion involved. Rogue One. Yeah. Well, Rogue One was was is a standalone Star Wars film, and in my opinion, perhaps the best Star Wars film. Yeah, it was absolutely excellent. Can't um, fault that I've film. Thoroughly enjoyed Clone Wars. It came to a satisfying conclusion, um, and my youngest daughter has taken a shine to Ahsoka Tano and thinks she's awesome. That's good. <laughs> That's just. Yeah. So, what have you been doing? Anything exciting apart from watching the Clone Wars? Well, mostly watching the Clone Wars. Because <laughs> you've you've not at work, so you've got a hell of a lot of time to fill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been doing a lot of baking. I baked two loaves of bread today. Um, made a, a lot, lot of muffins this week. That's have you right. have you been enjoying yeah. your baking? I mean, enjoy is a strong word. <laughs> I've been doing it. Um, but it, uh, has anybody been enjoying the fruits of your labour, or are they <laughs> well, just going, "That's lovely, Dad," and you've suddenly got a full bin? <laughs> Um, well, you know, I made uh, I made muffins the other day, and uh, nobody spoke to me for a half an hour after they ate them. Didn't and I, or I couldn't? Thought I'd af- <laughs> I thought I'd offended them, <laughs> and then I realised they. Yeah. There's a lot of that going. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. Uh, but I've been I've been Bring reading. Whole new been... to stone the crows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but now I've been reading a very good book I finished this week, The f- First 15 Lies of Henry August by Claire North. That's very good. Okay. Um, I recommend that. That's a, a book about a man who, when he dies, is reborn again as himself. And he has all his memories of his previous life, but he's living the same life so he can change things. Um, oh, interesting. It's very good. Very, very good. Cool. Um, he starts starts to realise that somebody's trying to change time, change history, so he has to try and put it right. Oh. It's very good. Okay. Very good. So what are you drinking today for those listeners who are keeping up with your drinking habits and possibly arranging an intervention? Well, for when I actually finish this uh, rather minute cup of coffee I have, <laughs> I have next to me a bottle of uh, Black Sheep's Monty Python and the Holy Grail beer. Ooh. It's Very quite a nice bottle, uh, as the label says, golden ale tempered over burning witches. Oh, very mm. good. Yep. The, the traditional way, then. Yep, the traditional way of making beer. <laughs> but yeah, it's, a, it's a, a full Monty Python label on it. I think I put that on my bookshelf, or my beer shelf, as it's becoming. Excellent. Very tasty. I, as usual, am drinking a lovely ice-cold bottle of water. And you wonder why you don't get invited to more parties. I do wonder that, yeah. Is it something to do with me, maybe? Yes. Anyway, (laughs) Um, I did try a drink. I bought 99p from Lidl. Oh, it already sounds good. It was, uh, I think it's called Plunging Orange. It was a pale ale with orange. It was actually quite nice. Oh, wow. Did it taste orange? It did, yeah. Let's just say it was well worth 99p. (laughs) That means so many things. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't awful. That's always good in a beer. One thing I will say. I always, get, I always get a beer and go, well, you know, that wasn't awful. Then I know it wasn't too bad. More beers should have on the label. It's not awful. <laughs> Why should I drink this beer? Well, it's not awful. Yeah, it says on the label, not completely <laughs> awful. Yep. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. we should call. Maybe we should start a podcast called Not Completely Awful. We have. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> mm. Although I'm not entirely sure about the not bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so, the, I assume, other than asking me uh, what I've been doing, you have another reason for wanting me to be here today. Yeah, well, we didn't finish our conversation last week, did we, about the rewiring Genesis? No, no, we only got halfway through the album, didn't we? We did, so shall Basically we... Basically, side one, or... Basic, yes, CD, CD one. one. CD one. Side, side one and two. One and two. Yeah. However you want to put it.
finish that off but at the same time mm-hmm. i realized that we didn't really know much or i didn't really know much about spock's beard um so here with a special report is hercule poirot hello hercule can you hear us can you hear us are we coming through hello simon hello gary yes i am here i have the report that you asked me for which i will present immediately for you so when Simon asked me to look into the history of Spock's beard for him, I was confused. Why would he need me to provide him with a report about a fictional character's grooming habits? But then I oiled my moustache, and slicked back my hair and got my little grey cells a-working. I soon deduced that he meant a band by the name of Spock's beard, of which Nick de Vigilio was once a member. Simon had a deal of trouble telling me this, as his pronunciation of the name was distressing to my ears. But he soon managed to spit it out, and I could begin. I found that the band was formed in 1992 by brothers Neil and Alan Moss, who quickly recruited Monsieur de Vigilio, as well as Jean Ballard, although Ballard was mysteriously absent by the time of the debut album, The Light, in 1995. He was replaced by an imposter, Dave Meros, for that album, which saw Ryo Komoto join on keyboards. They had some minor success, and with this lineup, they released six albums. In 2002, they released their own double concept album, Snow, following which Neil Morse left the group. Neil had converted to Christianity and wanted to explore his beliefs through his music but he didn't want to impose that on his fellow bandmates, so he made the decision to strike out on his own. But he encouraged them to continue, and so Monsieur de Vigilio took over as lead vocalist. Rather like Phil Collins took over in Genesis, no? Un moment, s'il vous plaît. I thought it just occurred to me. Peter Gabriel left Genesis after the sixth album to be replaced by the drummer, who had occasionally shared the backing vocals. Then... Twenty-seven years later, Neil Moss leaves Spock's beard after their sixth album to be replaced by the drummer, who occasionally shared the backing vocals. This incredible coincidence, is it not? I wonder if there are other prog bands for which this has happened. Maybe is there a connection? A conspiracy, perhaps? Me, but importe. In 2003, the band released Feel Euphoria, which featured Nick on vocals, and also meant that the whole band wrote songs, whereas before, Neil Morse had written them. They tried to modernise their sound with this release, but unhappy fans meant that they went back to a more traditional album for the follow-up. This happy time lasted for several more years, during which they released two live albums and four studio albums. In 2010, they followed in the footsteps of Marilia by crowdfunding their tenth album, called Simply X. However, in 2011, Nick was unable to attend the High Voltage Festival in London's Victoria Park, and vocals were provided by Ted Leonard. Later that same year, it was announced that Nick had left the band never to be seen again. Oh, désolé, he was seen again. He was playing with the Cirque du Soleil and also many other bands. This lineup released the popular Brief Nocturnes and Dreamless Sleep album in 2013, following it with The Oblivion Particle in 2015. This last album featured only three tracks written by the band. The rest were written by their producer. After a compilation was released, the first 20 years in 2015, which featured songs from all incarnations of the band, as well as a new track written by Neil Morse, Falling for Forever. Sadly, drummer and Jimmy Keegan left the band after this album, but Bonjourny, Nick de Virgilio returned to the band to play on the album which followed, Noise Floor, although he wouldn't play with them live. The music they play is very much influenced by the giants of progressive music such as Yes or Genesis. In my research, I listened to a few of their albums, which also put me in mind of such artists as King Crimson and Emerson, Lake and Palmer. 
I personally prefer something a little more sedate to enjoy with my hot chocolat. However, they do have a degree of energy which reminds me of many classical composers. I hope this brief histoire satisfies your curiosity, mes amis. No doubt the band has a rich and varied back catalogue which many will enjoy. For now, I bid you adieu and return to my ruminations. So thank you for that, Hercule Poirot. Um, I, do you remember we met him on that train and he accused us of being murderers that time? I do remember that. He's, he still has a very dodgy accent. Mm, yeah, it's terrible. He can't keep it up either. He keeps drifting in and out of something. I don't know what he's cockney, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> but very informative. Yeah. So that, that's the history of Spock's beard as as discovered by top investigator Hercule Poirot. There you go. There you go. Who says Belgian San Marius? Well, they make damn fine chocolate and damn fine beer. So there you go. There you go. Um, so, as we know, Nick de Virgilio the drummer from Spock's Beard and the singer from Spock's Beard um, has recorded Rewiring Genesis. So, previously on Keep Talking, (laughs) (laughs) we had talked about the first CD, the first two sides of the vinyl of Rewiring Genesis, tribute to the Lamb Lies Down Broadway. Um, Yeah, it's a very interesting album because basically it's taken the whole album, repeated it, so to speak, but uh, done a complete rearrangement of music and yes. uh, themes and i think it worked well we listened to side one last week and it worked really mm-hmm. well i think we both agreed that it was it was worth listening to yeah absolutely i mean it is the best tribute album i would say i've ever heard i've listened to quite a few tribute different tribute albums for different bands and usually there's perhaps one or two good tracks on there if you're lucky but mostly they're terrible this Super. I think we said last time that most of the tracks basically worked very well. There were a couple that were a bit mm-hmm. we were unsure of um, yeah. because of the arrangement of the music. I mean, he's chosen some particularly interesting musical instruments to include um, yes. in this. So, so if you haven't listened to the first part of this review, I would advise you to go back and listen to that Yeah, first. otherwise this but... one really isn't going to make any sense <laughs> at all. But in a nutshell, um, he's taken the whole album and he's re-recorded it without any synthesizers, using mostly brass and wind instruments. So a lot of it is orchestrated. Um, so the music's the same. He's not rearranged anything. He's not, you know, he's not changed it. He's not turned it into a disco album. He's he's basically playing it straight, but with different instrumentation. Mm, but um, as we said last week, though, the the use of different instrumentation has actually changed the whole theme or the feel mm. of this this album. Um, we did. I mean, we were talking last week how the side one almost had an uplifting angle to the album yeah. now because yeah. of the use of instruments. It, it, it was a lighter tone than was on the original album. Yeah, that's right. It took away a lot of the dark psychological to- tone feel of the album. And by using the lighter brass and wind instruments, it's made it... Um, stringed instruments, sorry. It's made it a lot lighter. And are you you mentioned that you thought it was easy listening. I don't think you meant easy listening because that's more like Nat King Cole. And, yeah, not um, not easy listening. <laughs> just perhaps easier on the ear because yes, it wasn't easy quite to so to. so downbeat. Um, actually, I think you said last week that this almost sounds like the soundtrack to the stage show of Lamb yeah. Lies Down on Broadway. Yeah, that's right. It's because I think it's the instrumentation that they've used. But yeah, because of the lighter sound. And some of it is, is almost show tuny, isn't it? Mm, because of the yeah, use of instruments. It's it's brought that that sort of different uh view to the music. You could you could almost see right. this being performed on stage yeah. as a as a play rather than, yeah. you know, the album was, which was which could never have been performed as a play. I'm still not sure you could do it anyway. No. But, but <laughs> some of the tracks on here definitely do feel like they you can almost see people singing and dancing on the stage. Yeah, definitely. Um, um I think there's things like, you know, the counting out time where it suddenly turns into a Dixieland jazz and things like back in New York City that sounds like it should be from West Side Story. Yeah, um, there, there has it, been a lot of playing around with themes um, yeah. in the music. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned last uh, week, it almost felt like this belonged in the 1930s Hollywood because mm. of the way the music was arranged and the way, yeah. uh, you know, some of the singing was done. It's, it felt like a, a sort of um, an old time musical Production mm. in its yeah. values, 
not in yeah. not in how it was done, but you know, in its production values, how it was meant to sound. It didn't sound like a small album anymore. That's right. I agree. Sounds sounds bigger, bigger and brassier. But where we left off, so Rail has found himself in this weirdo place that he's found himself in. Rail had made it to the Chamber of Thirty Two Doors, and then goes on to a Lily White Lilith. The chamber was in confusion. All the voices shouting loud. I could only just hear a voice quite near saying, "Please help me through the crowd." Said if I helped her through, she could help me too. But I could see that she was wholly blind from a pale face and a pale skin. A moonlight shining, Billy White Lily. think of this one that's pretty much the same as the original version on the album isn't it um it is but but i love the again this one has a very show tune feel about it it's mm. um, a very light and punchy i love the yeah. piano chords that are put in to accentuate the bit at the beginning that's really yeah. Nice. um yeah nice string piece much like the original and, and that is what you can't use that sort of language on this podcast this so, family's listening sorry so <laughs> not G string piece, just just string piece. Yeah, I like I liked it. I, I like this, but I like this song anyway. This is a, quite a rocky track on the original album. In our original episodes about the original version of this uh, album, said this sounded a bit like the Who, and this version doesn't really sound any different to that. It does sound like you say it's got the additions of the strings, which are very good. But yeah, it's generally pretty much the same as the original version. Yeah, pretty much the same. But again, I think the show tune angle from it, it, I think it gives it a different dynamic. Yeah, but that's the same with all most of the tracks on this album, though, isn't it? It It is. Dynamic. As as I said last time, are we even sure it's the same story? Mm. Because because the the way it's it's composed now, it's not quite as depressing as the original album. Mm. You know, this is this is a much lighter tone of album. So is the story as dark as the original? because of that yeah i mean perhaps this is the hollywood version like you say this you know the, the original version was was the book and it was a bit darker and this is the the lightened up version for the, the, the film it comes down to how things are presented doesn't it because you can yeah. have the same line done twice help i'm trapped in a room or help mm. me i'm trapped in a room <laughs> you know it's the same line yeah, yeah. But how you deliver it you get a completely different story yeah, it's like those things you, you see where they put different music to uh, videos. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's a video of somebody walking into a house and the only thing that's different is the music. And in one, it's quite a happy piece of music and in another, it's quite menacing. And yeah. it changes. Exactly. And that's what's happening on this album. I don't mm. think... I don't, as much as I like this, this version of it, I yeah. don't think it's the same story. Even though the mm. words haven't changed. I think the yeah. feeling of the album has changed. Still enjoyable, though. No, I, I agree with you. I think... I, I thoroughly enjoy this version, and I think it is significantly different enough in tone. Okay, are we going on to the next track now? Yes, let's go on to the next track, which is The Waiting Groom.
So that's an instrumental jam mm. on the original album. This must be a weird. Must have been a weird one to make. It because is. I the mean, original was just a jam session. It was, but I mean, again, the use of uh, instruments on this. Mm. Um, you've got three minutes thirty seconds of just noises at the mm. beginning of this track. Pretty much the same yeah. as the original. Did I hear a theremin in there? I don't know. It did sound very much like one, didn't it? It did. It was almost halfway through there. Towards the mm. end of the musical bit, I thought we were actually remaking the soundtrack to Forbidden Planet. <laughs> yeah. It did get a bit It did get a bit like that towards the end of the musical bit, I thought. Mm. And I say, I'm pretty sure I heard a theremin being used in there. There might have been, I suppose. It did, mm. it did sound very similar, I must admit. I couldn't remember. I was trying to remember as I was listening to it. In the original version, were there voices in the waiting room? No, it was all synthesizer music. Yeah. There was no. I thought no that because as I listened to this, I quite liked all the all the voices that you heard. Mm. It did give it more of a waiting room feel. I thought. Yeah. The thing is about this. First of all, it's a fantastic achievement because they've made it sound like the original version, which was just a improvised yeah um but i was listening to it on my headphones and if you listen to it on your headphones wow there's so many layers to this i was listening on my headphones as well out in the garden drinking beer earlier and uh yeah you it's level upon level of different things going on you get this full 360 degree wall of sound hitting you Mm. and it's it's a much better experience listening to it through headphones than it Mm. is on speakers in a front room definitely um, to me, that that the fact that they've not used any synthesizers and they've made all those weird noises somehow without it, that kind of elevates this version above the original for me. I think I I would rather listen to this version of, of the waiting room because one version. just sat there playing with the, with a synthesizer, twiddling mm. the knobs. Whereas this, yeah. you've actually got to put in the effort of yeah. finding different things to make noises with. Exactly. So I really like this version. Um, and I would I would listen to this version over the original. Good. So anyway. Yes, that's the next track. <laughs> I feel the pull on the road led me off at the rainbow. I could have been exploded in space. Different orbits for my bones. Not me, just quietly buried in stones. I keep the deadline open with my bed. What do you think of this one then? <laughs> well, I didn't like his singing at the beginning of this track. Mm. Uh, I didn't think it was as particularly accomplished as some of the other tracks he started off on. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a yeah. good, strong start for him vocally. I don't think. Um, mm. Loved the nice violin highlights of the mm. track. They were really interesting. Yeah. And again, the vocal. The vocals did get better as this track went on. After the mm. first minute, you were fine with it. It was just that. Yeah. That intro piece which is a big vocal piece um i yeah. thought didn't quite hit the right <laughs> no pun intended note for me um i i thought this the strings on this version of the of the song really added such depth to the song i mean especially when that this guitar solo kicks in yeah yeah and you've yeah. got the strings backing the guitar solo that's so good um i mean this is one of my favorite tracks from the original album anyway um, <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, uh, anyway, anyway, stop anyway. saying anyway. <laughs> um, but I, I thought this was a really good version of it, and those, those, like I say, the strings really added yeah, a lot definitely. to this. I mean, apart from the, I say, the intro was a bit uh, for me, but after that, mm. loved it. Can't really say much else about that because it was very, very similar again to the original yeah. version. I mean, that, that is the problem with this album. A lot of the tracks mm. are very similar, just different. Ed. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're expecting a whole new experience, uh, yeah. maybe not. But if you're interested yeah. on a, a different rift on a familiar tune, this is the album for you. Yeah. Um, like I said, this isn't going to convert anybody to Genesis. No, quite I the said opposite. this last week. Yeah. If, if it's you not, don't this like is not going to give you a toehold into Genesis. If you no, like Genesis, you're going to like this. If you don't yeah. like Genesis, you're probably not going to like this either. But if you do like Genesis and you like The Lamb, check it out. If you can. <laughs> if, you, if you can. Yeah. Um, but look, here comes the supernatural anaesthetist. See Worst what link ever. <laughs>
Here come the supernatural and statistics. If he wants you to snuff it, all he has to do is puff it. He's such a fine dancer. Interesting than the original to me. Um, the guitar sounds on that. Um, I love the guitar uh, on this. Don't you think it was really reminiscent of Queen? You um, took the words right out of my mouth. No, not me, love. Worth, I yeah. was kissing you. <laughs> That's how rumours start, Simon. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love the guitaring on this. I thought the, guitar, mm. the electric guitar was really well done on this. Yeah. But just it, because I, we haven't heard it so mm. you know for so long in this album... It was a really fresh sound on this album. But then, again, this is just a kind of a little short track, really, isn't it? So it doesn't really do anything. Yeah, yeah. again, the lyrics and the intro were a bit over the top. But this is another one where it's it's a performance piece, isn't it, again? Yeah. So Peter yeah. Gabriel performed. And this is, this is a well-done performance piece. Yeah, whereas I think, so on the first disc, Broadway Melody, um, in the original version, Peter does a really sinister performance on that track, doesn't he? He really yes. delivers that quite... And I think we said that... that Nick doesn't really do that on his version. No, no. Or not, or not to the same extent, anyway. So um, I don't think any of this album comes across as, as menacing or, or mm. dark. There's nothing yeah. really dark in this entire album. Yeah. Whereas, whereas on the, the original album, this track is not a menacing performance. It's just kind of a wistful performance, almost. And I think they pitched it, Nick's pitched it perfectly on this one, mm. um, this version of it. So, yeah. yeah I liked again. it. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it as well. Good. So what's next? The Lamia. composition not a lot of change on this one i think the tempo slightly altered but other than that um, it's pretty much the same the only thing on this that i absolutely love and i mean it adds such another level to this is the female voices yeah this it makes you think in hindsight they should have done that on the original version yeah it's it would have it would have added less of a monotone to the monologue in the original yeah. album. And this just makes it, this turns this into a production rather than yeah. just an album. You know what I mean? This is, this is 
where you could see it could be done as a stage play because you've already got a couple of different people doing mm-hmm. lines essentially on this track and yeah. you can you can see that it's it's now suddenly three-dimensional rather than two-dimensional yeah it, it brings to the fore that idea of it being a play like yeah. you just said like a, a musical because there suddenly there's another actor playing the yeah. part of the Lamia. because in the original album it, it was great and we all love it etc etc except mm-hmm. for those people who don't um but because it was done from one person's voice yeah, and it's not a story that's told from one person's point of view all the time. Yeah, so it's kind of it should always have had more voices, I think. Yeah, but if only to clarify then, the story a little bit. Yeah, I mean back then, obviously they were a bit they were young, weren't they, when they wrote the original and recorded it? So they were all kind of a bit. Peter Gabriel was a bit probably a bit territorial about his vocal on this. I'm the only singer in this band. Well, he was quite happy for Phil to do the occasional vocal and to do backing vocals. He was probably just miffed because he couldn't get Kate Bush to do it. Mm-hmm. Before what? Before she was famous, I think Kate Bush would have been about thirteen at this point. <laughs> so this version again, it, it sticks to the same sort of instrumentation as the original. There's no uh, wind or string playing on this version of this. No, um, which keeps it. I think I th- that makes it feel fresh as well, which sounds odd. Not adding anything to it apart from the female vocals. If they'd added strings as well, that would have been it too much. Yes. Yeah. But the, the, yeah, I think the female limit. vocals make this a much better track than the original. I'm sorry to say that, but I really liked the female voices mm. on this. I think oh, they absolutely. added much more of a dimension to this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, like I say, in hindsight, should have had female vocals on that point on the original. Yeah. Um, but there you go. <laughs> so the next, we move on to the instrumental, which is Silent Sorrow in Empty Boats. Mm. is a nice little flute piece isn't it yeah it's just it's just there's a but isn't it isn't it it's a little noodling isn't it that's all it is really it's a little bit of instrumental sound effects it's a transition between the lamia and colony of slippermen really um but yeah it's pleasant enough it's nice nice use of wind instruments and choral i think the, the flute though it reminds me of like japanese flute playing yeah and it kind of takes you I think it takes you a little out of the story yeah. because it almost feels like you've now moved to a different place because of the musical key. Mm. And I, I, as much as I like it, I think it's quite jarring because it kind of mm. takes you out of where you are. I know that's probably the point of the whole track, but yeah. it's just like, oh, are we in Japan suddenly? It's, it's just, <laughs> just a little, as much as I enjoy it, yeah. I think it's quite distracting. Simon, um, is yes. this the first track on side four? No, Gary, I'm, uh, you're sadly mistaken there. It's the last track on side three. So well, I stand corrected. Transition. But yeah, this is this is just getting you from one place to the next. And here's a little musical intro. Via Japan. Yeah, apparently so. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of just to get you through the time shift from one place to the other, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the audio version of Wibbly 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 that you get on TV (laughs) when they're going, remember yesterday? Wibbly Wibbly Wibbly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Time jump. Yeah. Yeah. So we jump to the actual first track on side four of the vinyl album, you imbecile year. (laughs) (laughs) Is Hercupora coming to the room? (laughs) Which is Colony of Slipper Men. It's a super-sized blackbird that sure can fly
again, we start off in Japan, apparently, mm-hmm. moving swiftly via India as the sitar comes online. Mm-hmm. I assume it's a sitar. It sounds very much like a sitar. Funnily, you should say that, actually, because uh, I, I made a note that, that it's a really nice guitar, but it sounds very 60s, almost sitar-like. You know, the f- it actually is a sitar. No, but it sounds like it. And the funny thing is, I have put in my notes here, sounds Mm. like a 60s spy film soundtrack towards the end. And then goes a bit space-agey right at the very end. It does, doesn't it? Um, Yeah. It's it's an odd composition, this one. I like it. it is anyway. Yeah, well, well, most of them are on this. But Mm. um, I like it, but it is, again, I mean, the one thing you can say about this album is that he's constantly surprising you with his choice of instruments yeah so i mean there's you shouldn't be surprised at the choices on this because you've constantly been surprised anyway <laughs> yeah but uh but, no, i kind of like this and then he hits you with an accordion solo <laughs> Ta-da, there's not enough room in the world for more accordion solos uh, man that's first time i heard that just blew my mind i was like i was expecting this keyboard solo to come in i was thinking how's he gonna do that it's gonna be strange it's, gonna be, it's an accordion like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just straight out of left good. field there. I liked yeah, it. I think, I think taking everything into account, I think that's probably my favourite change they made for this album. For yeah. This Putting that accordion solo in there um, just works so well. <laughs> yeah. Again, you've got different voices coming in. You've got the female voices mm. coming into this as well, which yeah. I really liked yet again. Again, yeah. adding more dimension to this song yeah it makes it seem a more rounded experience mm. to have again there's a lighter element to this again mm. yeah um, and towards the end it really does go show toony yes it does this is another one that's really really fun i mean this was almost the comedy track on the original album anyway yeah um and this just makes it much more light-hearted you know the, the slipper men are supposed to be these sort of grotesque figures made of swollen testicles and genitals and i can't imagine have them you seen my school photo <laughs> yeah i've told you i've uh, i've got a camera attached to the dog <laughs> and again i like the flute outro on this it's very nice yeah. very nice fluty sound yeah i mean it, this is a really good version of this it's, it really kicks along and it really does sound like it's from a, a musical yeah yeah um, definitely so towards the end it does get very show toony but again, mm. if, this, if they were going to tour with this album and turn it into a, a theatre performance with actors and everything, this is the kind of music you'd want to go along with it. Yeah, definitely. I think if they kept the original uh, Genesis sound, it would have been a very depressing little show. Whereas this, yeah. you'd be, there'd be people dancing in the aisles on some of them. Well, this would really lend itself to a dance number on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> You know, everybody moving around and uh, somebody playing the raven. Definitely. I like I like it. It's a good piece. Yeah, stealing his yellow plastic shooby-doo. Mm. So, <laughs> shall we move on? The next track's called Ravine. sounding this is really only the flute sound isn't it though yeah it reminds me of something from the crouching tiger soundtrack Um, i know i know what you mean it's a beautiful beautifully played piece but yeah it's really 
really oriental sounding, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, something like, you know, like I say, something from one of those sort of Crouching Tiger style films, the soundtrack from that. I, I think this is much, much better than the original version. I agree. I really do I agree. I love this version. They're so good. The flute playing. Mwah. Superb. It will be interesting to know what Peter Gabriel thinks of this album if he's ever heard it. I assume mm, I it, you, if you'd written this and somebody did a, this version, you, you'd have mm. a gander, wouldn't you? So well, he must would, have heard it. I would imagine that they'd all been given copies of it. Whether they've actually then bothered to listen to it or not, I don't know. Far too um, busy being superstars, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean... But wouldn't you, though, if somebody, if somebody had done something with something you had created... You'd have yeah. a gander just to make sure it was up to scratch or just how bad it was or whatever, wouldn't you? Exactly. Like if somebody decided to do a cover version of one of our podcasts, mm. I'd at least listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To make sure they got my voice right and, uh, you know, make sure you, they got your anger level at the right <laughs> pitch in those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The important stuff. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Make sure they've not edited too much of me out at the expense. That would be ironic, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I like I like this track as well. It's, it's nice. It's a good composition. It's well done. Excellent. Yeah. I like it. So we move on to the light dies down on Broadway. of the album sticks much more closely to the originals than some of the other sides have done. Yeah, but then again, then again as I was saying again and again and again, as I keep saying to you this album, the composition and the performance of this have again changed mm. the... It was a hopeful track on the original album, as it was yeah. sort of coming out of this dark place, as it were. This version is much lighter again. Mm. So as the last one was like... A, you could say it was like crawling out of the gutter and seeing the light of the sun through the towers of the blocks in New York City, this dim yeah. light. This is yeah. basically coming out of the sewer into Miami Beach, isn't it? It's yeah, much definitely. it's a much brighter sound to this than, yeah. than the original. Still good, but, mm -hmm. but the tone has changed, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I, all I would say on this is that as much as I like it, because I love the original tracks, this is one of my favourite tracks on the whole album, yeah. um, I think it's lightness is misplaced on this album at this point mm, right. um, because it should be yeah. a hopeful coming of coming of mind essentially as, mm. as, as rail sort of sorting himself out but yeah. this is just a bit too light mm. for that place where his mind should yeah. be at this point i know what you mean because in the original this is the light breaking through the clouds isn't it yeah this yeah, song. yeah whereas but there aren't really any clouds on this, on this song, the album. No, not at all <laughs> no no that's kind of I, I was trying to get that sort of thing across but obviously i need the use of a professional to okay. to get my points across because because i'm yeah too stupid yeah i mean that's only cost you uh five pounds for that uh metaphor there cheaper half the price and i so will be paying that's, half that's the price obviously that's mates rates obviously obviously should i yeah. ever have any mates um i'll know what that means <laughs> but um, anyway but i really like the, the way they used the choir to replace some of the keyboard parts yeah the choir was very good but again mm -hmm. that's that's part of the the lightness of it it's like a jubilation choir effect and it, it's not quite where they should be at this point in the album 
Too happy, man. Much too happy. <laughs> so then we move on to riding the scree. <laughs> intro like it interesting the clarinet player must have been having an absolute <laughs> was it a clarinet or an oboe Nightmare. i wasn't sure I, I just assumed it was a clarinet because Could i don't be know clarinet. anything about instruments yeah me neither um i must admit my my uh, knowledge of woodwind instruments is is thin on the ground but i wasn't mm. sure if it was a clarinet or an oboe on this i'm sure well, our listeners would correct me let's for the sake of argument let's call it a clarinet oboe you can if you like yes so, let's do that <laughs> the the clarinet oboe player must have been actually having a nightmare trying to play that solo in such a weird time signature and like yeah. such a speed it must have been so difficult and really hats off to him not wearing a hat if i was wearing a hat i would take it off to him yeah, yeah. Because it's so well done. It must have been so difficult. Yeah, I, I, I love this this entire version of this purely because of the choice of instruments. Yeah. I love the different choices. Yeah, it really showcases the brass and the wind instruments on, mm. on this version. But again, um, we've said this all the way through this album, the fact that these use different instruments and slightly different compositions and, and in some ways changing the tempo slightly to work. Um, yeah. I, th I think it just goes to show that what you can do with a tune, with a little imagination, you start off with a tune and you can change the whole sense of the tune without changing the tune, just by altering the various instruments and how they're performed. Tune! <laughs> exactly, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Still on the medication, I see. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, it, it completely changes the feel of it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I like this version. So mm. I love the horn section on this. It's, it's I do too. absolutely brilliant. I think this this last side from Colony Slipperman onwards, uh, which would have been the last side of the vinyl, I think this is the strongest part of this version of the album. I don't know that it was on the original, but on this, I think it's the strongest part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So then we jump into the rapids. Indeed. Catching hold of a rock that's firm. an almost jazz version of this song don't you think yeah it's a great version though yeah. i mean I, I, I love this without a doubt without yeah. a doubt but it's um, it's again an example of what this album could sound like if it was done for a musical play yeah i mean musically it's pretty much the same as the original version but played with the the different instruments but it, again it does sound more like a soundtrack yeah yeah definitely instruments that are used but yeah here we go Let's let's discuss this now. He catches John. He does. In the original version, there's that big shocking reveal. Mm -hmm. It's not John. It's Rail himself. Yep. Or is it? Who knows? Nobody cares. Yeah. 
sure people do care nobody knows um does this because this version of this album's a bit lighter does it change that ending yeah yeah i say it does i I mean i've been saying this all the way through this and you haven't been listening to me at all have you uh so that's that's me that's this done with then (laughs) (laughs) sorry was there was there another track on this (laughs) so that brings on to it to what the last track what's the last track? not doing it not doing abbott and Costello. the theme through a, uh, a 1970s cop show definitely show tune it is a show tune again yeah. but i like it i do as well i have to say i've loved all of this album the only thing i don't like as much about that uh version of it is the start the lead in it's mine doesn't quite hit um no. for me but the rest of the track oh, i loved it i just i couldn't when i was listening to it on my headphones i was just imagining credits to a 70s cop show while it was playing over um, with like Telly Savalas. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not laughing at you. Not this time. Um, <laughs> for a change. For a change. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm laughing with you, Simon. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree oh. entirely. I know wow. exactly what you mean. That's never happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> People are usually laughing at me. <laughs> I'm throwing rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I've um, got to stop joining in with them, haven't I? You have, yeah. It's not fair. No. <laughs> but yeah, this could all, I think this ought to be like the ending to a Broadway spectacular um, or a variety show or something. Not just necessarily this story, but just, you know, the Sunday night of the Palladium or whatever. And <laughs> this plays as the end music. So what you're saying basically is this mm. is doing its job. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the end. Mm. And it's a Moment perfect perfect end to this to this kind of album. Yeah. It, I mean it was a good end anyway on the original album. Yeah, but the end of the original album wouldn't have worked on this album because of the no. tonal difference. Exactly. This sounds like the credits are rolling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You could almost see this album as a stage show. Definitely. As people are uh, as, as this is being sung, people are walking onto stage and taking a bow. I'm and... already running for my coat. Well, you'd never like to say for the ending, do you? No, not really. <laughs> never say goodbye leave them wanting more exactly they um, never do want more no they don't that's why you don't need to worry about that yeah so I just run yeah before well, that, the, before the stoning the starts yeah <laughs> that's why I always end up getting stoned yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah I love, that. I love yeah. that version. I love I love the original version of the song anyway, but I love that version as well. Yes. Yeah. So so let's talk about this album as a whole. So now we've listened to the whole thing. What do you think of the whole thing? The whole thing, you say? Yeah. Well, the whole thing. I enjoyed it. It's hmm. it's it's an unusual experience because it is quite different from the original album, even though it's identical. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like an alternate universe version of this album. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things, isn't it? When you when you're so familiar with something, sometimes getting mm. a fresh perspective on it, as this indeed is, it does two things. One, you enjoy this because it's different. But yeah. two, you appreciate the original even more. Yeah. Not because this is bad, mm-hmm. but because you just go, oh, I remember this. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's not quite as good as the original. Hey, the original was really good. Yeah. You know, and you get you get that reappreciation of the original. 
even while yeah. you're enjoying the hell out of this one. Yeah, which is why a lot of tribute albums fail because they either do a absolute carbon copy of the original, which, which is which pointless. Point, yeah, why bother? Yeah. Or they change it so much it's not worth listening to at all because it's, yeah, it's almost like unidentifiable. Yeah. So did I ever tell you about the time? This is relevant. I okay. honestly, it's relevant. I went yeah. to see Hawkwind and on tour. Uh, what would it be? Uh, late, yeah, late eighties, I think it was. <laughs> yeah, I get you so much for that. Uh, late eighties, <laughs> and they did the whole set as a reggae. Really? <laughs> yeah. And we were all stood in the audience and usually used to people in the audience at Hawkwind looking stoned out of their minds. This yeah. is the only time I've seen everybody looking stoned out of their minds because we're all looking at the stage and going, what the ruddy hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. It was all the same tracks, all performed exactly as they should be, except mm. to a reggae beat. It was the wow. oddest thing. But it's exactly what you're saying. If you change it so much that it's almost unrecognisable, yeah. even people who like it are not going to like it because it's too yeah. different. Exactly. And this is enough the same as the original yeah. to keep you occupied and connected to it, but not so much the same that it isn't worth doing because it is completely different on a different level. Yeah. So while you can enjoy it because you're familiar, this is unfamiliar territory. Mm. Yeah, to me, it helped me appreciate the original version again. I think I said that. Some, some mm. great man said that recently. I'm pretty... <laughs> it was me. It was me. I'm sure it was. No, it really wasn't. Go on. <laughs> if you're going to do a cover version of something, don't just make it a carbon copy. Yeah, that's great um, if you're a tribute band and you're, you're performing yeah, on stage. Exactly. Because people are coming to see you because you're doing a almost faithful rendition of the original. Exactly. Because the original band aren't touring. So you go and see cover bands. But when the cover bands change it so much it's no longer recognisable, that's pointless from a live point of view. And if you're recording and you're doing a completely faithful recreation of the original album, again, pointless. That's the point, yeah, exactly. If you're going to be faithful, be a tribute band, go on tour. If you want to do something unique, go into a studio album. Yeah, and I think this album has pitched absolutely perfectly between those two extremes. Because it sounds like the original... It's recognisable as the original, but it's significantly different because they're using different instruments. To be interesting. That it's it's interesting, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the important question. If you just come upon this and just give it a trial listen in your record shop, putting the stylus on the record and skipping from track to track, I knew you'd remember that. Um, (laughs) Would you buy this album? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I would too. Not not just because it's quirky and unusual, but because it's actually genuinely worth listening to. Mm, It is. It's... It's good. As we as we said right at the beginning of this, um, mm-hmm. I think I asked the question, is this just a musical oddity or is it a thing in its own right? Mm. And I think after listening to this, we've come to the conclusion that this is a thing in its own right and worth listening to in on that in that context. Yeah, it is. I think it is. I think in many ways, if you were sitting in a record store flicking through the original version of The Lamb, checking it out different tracks, you might be put off by that. <laughs> Whereas I don't think you would necessarily be put off so much by this. Mm, especially if you love uh, show tunes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You, you like those musicals? There you go. God, you're going to love this. Again, again, that's 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 kind of unfair to this, because it isn't overly show tuny. It's just yeah. that some of the compositions now sound a bit show tuny in places. So what you're saying is this is appealing to that crossover audience of people who love... Broadway show tunes and Genesis fans. I see. So you've now progressed from just editing me out to actually putting <laughs> words into my mouth. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> yeah, basically, say yeah. It, yeah, say you're right. It, say it, say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm quite happy for you to say what you think I'm going to say, but I'm damned <laughs> if I'm going to repeat it just because you want me to. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I I think this is this is a great album, and I, I would recommend people buy it. So tell us, hmm. Simon, where can we buy it from? Sadly, you can't buy it. Anymore, so that was all the waste of time, wasn't it? Unless you were to buy a second-hand copy from Amazon, um, they usually people are selling them for around about forty forty-five pounds. That's um, not bad actually, considering what I saw it on Amazon for. Hmm. I mean, I have seen it in the past going for anything up to one hundred and twenty quid. Yeah, that's but, what I saw it as. 
I mean, that's only because it's rarity. Mm. But as we said last week, I think Nick is is trying to get the rights back to it, isn't he? So he can re-release yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Uh, and so I really I hope guess... he does because people, more people, should hear this. Yeah, definitely. This should be on every Genesis fans listened to pile because if you like the lamp you are going to like this but it, it is going to be one of those things where you go you know i'd like to listen to the lamp but i'd yeah. like to listen to something slightly lighter oh i know <laughs> yeah i think the, the only reason i could imagine anybody not wanting to listen to this is because peter gabriel's not singing it yeah i mean other people might say well but, you know because of the change in tone it's not the same story but nobody's got a, cr- a crazy idea of what the actual story is so does it make a difference Exactly. And I think if you are saying you're not going to listen to this album because it's not being sung by Peter Gabriel, you're the sort of Genesis fan who thinks that Phil Collins destroyed Genesis, which blatantly isn't true. Yeah. Sorry if you any, any of you listening think that. I don't agree. But yes, well worth getting a hold of if you should find a copy. Mm-hmm. Um, so... On Tool, the charity of the week. This week, I know we try not to talk about it at all, um, but I'm going to direct you to uh, the British Red Cross and their coronavirus response uh, appeal. Go to donate.redcross.org.uk slash appeal slash UK dash crisis dash appeal. And there'll be a link in the show notes. And you can donate some money. You can either donate a monthly amount or you can donate a single amount to help people in the Red Cross to provide support to victims of the COVID-19 coronavirus. I think we're all thinking about that now. So that's this week's Charity of the Week. Good charity. And of course, the Red Cross do so many good things as well. They do. Um, so it's worth supporting them anyway. It is. Even if it, Definitely if it wasn't is. a time of, time of great change. So what... Do you want to do in next week's podcast? I got an idea. Oh, oh, all right, I, um, I thought we could do a Divine Comedy album. Oh yeah, Divine Comedy. I love the Divine Comedy. They're very. I know you do. They're one of your favourite bands, aren't they? No, I thought we could take a look at Casanova. Oh, that's a good album. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, brilliant. All right, Casanova. Okay, by the Divine Comedy. Um, we'll do that next week. So, everybody listening to this, if you don't know the album already and you want to want to join in and listen along with us, um, then check out Divine Comedy's Casanova. Available on Spotify, available everywhere, I think. Yeah, and you can even buy it if you like. Yeah, if you like. Hey. Yeah. Right, so is that the end of this one, Simon? That's the end of this one. Okay, so uh, everybody out there, stay safe. And keep talking. Bye. Bye. Like a Pamela Anderson clone. What? (laughs) (laughs) A really surreal thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's two beers in today.